This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Second uh, Timothy 3, starting in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Thanks, man. So you know how some things are just more useful depending on who's the person using them? For example, a guitar in Adam's hands or a guitar in Scott's hands is much more useful than a guitar in my hands. Excel in Jamie's hands is much more useful than Excel in my hands. And completely unrelated to an event of this that happened this morning, an iron in my mom's hands is much more useful than an iron in my hands. Or any piece of technology in my hands is much more useful than any piece of technology in my parents' hands. What changes in these two scenarios? A guitar is a guitar, Excel is Excel, an iron is an iron, and a TV remote is a TV remote, no matter who's using it. The item doesn't change. The person using it changes, and the knowledge of the person using it makes that item more useful. Let's take the TV remote, for example. When I see a TV remote, I see this button changes the channel, this button changes the volume, I can turn the power off, I can change the input, I know, what, I know how it works. When my parents use a TV remote, they find this special button that says, call Ethan. I've never seen it before, I'm, but I'm convinced that that button exists because it happens every single time. And it's the same way with the Bible, isn't it? If we know what we're doing with the Bible, if we know what it's supposed to do, we're so much more dangerous when we are using it. So what is the Bible supposed to be used for? John Stott said this about what the Bible can do. For some people are tormented by doubts and need to be convinced by arguments. Others have fallen into sin and need to be rebuked. Others are haunted by fears and need to be encouraged. God's word does all this and more. We are to apply it relevantly. That's what our 
distinctive of applicational preaching really means. We're trying to apply the word in our lives. That's why it's a distinctive at our church. We are called to apply the word, which brings us to our big idea of today. I will apply the word correctly. I will apply the word correctly. And there are three ways, according to this text, that we are called to use the word of God. The first one being, I will use the word of God to protect. I will use the word of God to protect. So the Bible offers protection, but first it is important to know what we are being protected from. Let's look back at the text starting in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're being protected from persecution. We're being protected from evil. And look at what Paul says. This is not something light. He is promising it to us. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, that's all of us, will be persecuted. Not might be persecuted, not likely to be persecuted. We will be persecuted. The evil will go from bad to worse. And thankfully, Paul doesn't just end there and say, okay, good luck. Look at what he says to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. Paul is telling Timothy that there is something different that he has, something that he can use to protect from the evil, from the persecution. Timothy has the word of the Lord. Timothy has the sacred writings. From childhood, he has been given the knowledge to protect himself. And don't we all need that? Don't we all need to just continue in scripture? We need to continue in the word. It offers protection. We need to look to the gospel for protection. We will find it there. Now that we know what we're being protected from, let's look at how the gospel protects us. Look at what he writes in verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible needs to be foundational in our lives. How from childhood, Timothy has been in the word. He has been taught these things since he was a child. That's given him the foundation that he needs to protect himself from persecution. Now that's not to say that if you didn't have that foundation as a child, you can never get it. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. If you didn't have that foundation as a child, you can easily gain that foundation as an adult or even if it's the last thing that you do. That foundation is readily available to us as long as we look for it. And once we gain that foundation, we get to use the gospel to protect us when it becomes central in our lives. That being said, if you have a chance to give someone that foundation, a child, a grandchild, or a younger sibling even, do it. That foundation is instrumental in their life. For example, I was lucky enough to grow up in a home where both of my parents were strong believers. I had the honor of getting to see their faith lived out every single day. 
And from the day that I was able to understand what they were saying to me, they were teaching me the word. They were giving me that foundation that I needed. Now that's not to say that because of that foundation, I've lived a perfect life. Far from it. We've all struggled. That foundation won't give us perfection, but it will give us something to fall back on when we need protection. Having that foundation to fall back on is an instrumental part of the reason that I am up here in front of you today. The word influences everything that we do when we have that foundation. The gospel is central to our lives, and when that happens, we get to gain that protection. Make wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The word illuminates our heart to the gospel message. This opens up all kinds of possibilities for us. Look at Ephesians 6. It tells us exactly how we can be protected. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. It says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Look at all of these aspects that are being written about. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Where do we gain access to all of these things? Where do we learn about all of these things? In his word, in God's holy word, we are given access to learn and activate all of these things so that we can protect ourselves and those around us. All of these concepts are readily available to us in the word that God has given us. With all this in mind, here are a few things to ask yourself. When was the last time I turned to the Bible for protection? Who or where do I turn to when I need protection? If that's not the Bible, what is it and why? Three ways that I will use the word of God. I will use the word of God to protect. And second, I will use the word of God to profit. I will use the word of God to profit. Let's look at verse 16. For all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Everything we read from this book is divinely inspired. It is breathed out by God. This book has the same authority as if God appeared himself in the room and commanded something to us. That's the authority that the Bible has in our lives. So of course it's profitable. Of course we get to use it when we need it. It is divinely inspired. It is from God. Of course, we should use it to profit. We have confidence in the word that it will not come back void because it is from God himself. So what is it profitable for? Paul answers that question when he says, it is profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Those all sound really cool, don't they? They're all very biblical words, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. It's exciting, but what does it really mean? Well, let's look first at teaching. That's easy enough. It's give instruction on something. So the Bible is profitable for teaching us what we need to know about salvation that we may readily believe it and use it. It is profitable to give us instruction on how to live. It teaches us what to do and what not to do. So the Bible is profitable for teaching. The Bible is also profitable for reproof, which means a refutation of a false statement or conviction of something. This same Greek word is found in Hebrews 11.1, which says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's that word conviction. The Bible is useful for convicting us when we are wrong. We use the Bible to point out the things that are wrong in life. We should use it to correct. We should use it to reprove, to point out the sin, to point out the evil. That's what we use the Bible for. We shouldn't turn to our own wisdom or our own understanding to point out others or even our own faults. We should look to the Bible to reprove, nothing else. So the Bible is profitable for reproof. The Bible is also profitable for correction. Correction or fixing something that was wrong. So the Bible is used to correct us when we are wrong. It's not our own wisdom, and then we use the Bible to back up that wisdom. We use the Bible to correct what is wrong before we do anything else. That is the first place we need to go when we see something wrong in our lives or in the lives around us. It's not, we shouldn't go and tell someone, oh, this person just sinned, isn't that, that's crazy, isn't it? This is what he should have done. No, we should go to the Bible and go to them and tell them this was wrong. This is what the Bible says. Allow it to correct you. If you look to the Bible for correction, you will find it. And I know that's scary because some of us don't want corrected, which is where reproof comes in. We'll talk about that more later. But the Bible is also profitable for training in righteousness. The Bible, righteousness is, God is righteous. So righteousness is anything that acts in accordance with who God is. So the Bible is used to train us in righteousness, train us in what God has commanded us and what God wants us to do. God's word helps us become more like him. It helps us become more righteous. We get to gain Christ-likeness the more that we look to the Bible to be trained. So what does all this do for us? What does teaching, what does reproof, what does correction, and what does training in righteousness give us? It completes us. It equips us for every good work. Look at verse 17. Paul writes, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God uses his word to complete us. These things, teaching, reproof, correction, and training, that is how God uses his word to complete us. That's how we are being equipped. 
Turn to Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God uses his word to complete us. God who began a good work in us. When we accepted God, he began the good work of salvation in us. And we are promised here that he will complete that good work. And the way that he will complete that good work is in the Bible. That's how God desires to complete us. But there's a process to all of this. Before you can be equipped, you first have to be trained. Before you can be trained, you first have to be corrected. Before you can be corrected, you first have to be reproved and understand what you're being corrected for. And before you can be reproved, you have to be taught what is right and what is wrong. There's a process to all of this. Think of it this way. I just started a job at an HVAC supply store. I'm a salesman. And if I'm being completely honest, I could not with 100% certainty tell you what the V in HVAC stands for. I really don't know. I don't know if it's vacuum. I don't know if it's ventilation. I don't know. But I'm a salesman. I'm supposed to sell these things. So obviously, before they can send me out on sales calls, they first have to spend the first couple weeks training me in the office, teaching me what we're selling so that I can understand what it is and, t and sell it to people that want it. I can't just jump in at any level and hope for the best. If they put me on a sales call tomorrow, they're gonna ask for like a half inch whip set and I'll ask them if they want the Indiana Jones kind. <laughs> that joke was for, for a very specific HVAC demographic. If you didn't get it, I didn't either five days ago. <laughs> the point is, you can't just jump in at any level and expect success. You can't just jump in and be trained and be equipped. We all want that. We all just want to be equipped. I want to go on a sales call right now. I can't. We all want to be trained in righteousness. We all want to be equipped for every good work. But first, we have to be taught. We have to be taught what we're being trained for. We have to be taught why we're being equipped. There is a process to all of this. And it's an ongoing process. You can be trained and equipped in one certain area of your life while still being taught in another area. If it was linear, if we had to learn everything and be taught everything before we could be reproved in every single thing and then corrected in every single thing, we would never be taught everything. We would never get reproof. We would just never do anything. So it's an ongoing process. It's happening at the same time time, but there is a process. We can't just jump in at whatever level we might want to. It's an ongoing process that will equip us for every good work that God has for us. Something to ask yourself. Have I been allowing the word to take me through this process? Why or why not? What does it look like in my life for this process to take place? What ways do I use the Bible to profit outside of what I'm instructed to do? So there are three ways, according to this text, that we are called to use the word of God. 
First, I will use the word of God to protect. Second, I will use the word of God to profit. And finally, I will use the word of God to preach. Let's look at verses one through five. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living from the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul is pleading with Timothy to preach the word. Look at Paul's language. It's strong language. He's not just saying, preach the word because I said so. It's a good idea. Just do it. No, he's saying, preach the word because Christ is going to judge the world. We are called to preach the word because Christ is going to judge every single one of us. So we preach the word to bring people along with us into this gift of salvation that we have been given. We preach the word to gather as many believers into salvation. Isn't that what we want for all people? Don't we want all people to gain salvation? That's why we preach the word. And this word preach in the Greek, what it means is to proclaim loudly or announce. So we are called to announce and proclaim loudly the gospel. We are called to announce the word of God. And we're called to preach to the world, every single person, not just non-believers. We're called to preach the word to our family, to our friends, to ourselves. Because don't we all, no matter how long we've been a believer, don't we all need to be preached the gospel? Say yes. We need to be preached the gospel. So we're called to preach the word. Are we called to preach the word just on Sunday? Are we called to preach the word just when we're standing behind a pulpit? No, look at the text. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now at the time, Paul was referring to the seasons of planting and the season of harvesting. We are called to preach the word. Be ready in every season, summer, spring, winter, fall, stressful seasons, easy seasons, busy seasons, moving seasons. A lot of people are moving. Just ask my small group. But there is no season of life where we get a free pass and are not called to preach the word. Hebrews 3.13 says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, let me tell you something. Today is today. Until tomorrow is today. And a week from Sunday will be today. A year from today will still be today. Today will never end. Every day will be today. So we are called to preach the word, exhort one another every single day. And why are we called to preach the word and exhort one another every single day? So that we, none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin wants to deceive us. And the way that we protect from that deceit 
is by exhorting one another. It's by preaching the gospel. It's by applying the word in our lives every single day. Think about the last time that you preached the word. Was it yesterday? If it wasn't yesterday, why not? What is it that stops us from preaching the word every single day? Now let's, back, let's look back at 2 Timothy, skipping down to verse five just for a second. Paul writes, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So whose work is this? Is it the work of church staff only? Is it the work of whoever's standing here on a given Sunday? No, it's the work of an evangelist. I don't care what your job is. I don't care who you are. We are all evangelists. This is a charge to every single one of us. We are called to preach the word. And if you're not sure how to preach the word, that's fine. Paul explains it at the end of verse two, where he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Those words should sound very familiar. I talked about them five minutes ago. That's exactly what the word of God is profitable to do. It is profitable to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. We use the word to preach. It is profitable to preach. So we're called to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. With what, church? With complete patience and understanding. When we are being preached to, don't we want that? Don't we want patience and teaching? If we called you tomorrow during our staff meeting and said, hey, have you preached the word to anyone today? No? Okay, please don't come back Sunday. That would be terrible. All of you would just be shocked that we didn't give you any sort of time or any sort of patience to do these things. That's what we all desire when we are being taught. We want patience. We want understanding. Now, patience does not mean you preach one time and then step back and say, okay, God, I preached, go for it. It's persistent patience. So you preach to a person. You don't go out and stand on the side of the road and just hold up a sign that says, Jesus loves you, accept God in your heart, John 3, 16. 99% of the time, that does not work because there's no patience, there's no teaching in that. We are called to be patient with good teaching. We have to continually press into them, into their lives with patience and good teaching. We should not expect results immediately. Keep that in mind when you're helping others, when you're preaching to others. Don't expect them to change a day later. Don't expect them to change a week later. Some changes take a long time. That's why we're called to teach and preach with patience. I know in my life, when, I, when someone's pointing out something to me, I love when they give patience. I love when they take their time, they let the spirit guide their patience. Because there will be a time where you need to roll up your sleeves and get dirty. But that time is not determined by your own wisdom or your own impatience. That time is determined by the Lord. You shouldn't jump it too early. You have to let the Lord determine when you press in 
and when you lean back a little bit. Constantly preaching the word. Let's look back at 2 Timothy 4, verses three through five, which say, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from the, from the listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And isn't that so true of today? Everywhere we look, it seems like people have itching ears to hear whatever they desire, to hear whatever their passions are taught to them. Look at the number of churches in Fort Wayne. We're not all preaching a different gospel. For the most part, we're all preaching the same gospel. The only difference is that we're packaging it in different ways or we're teaching a different thing. We're passionate about different things. And that's what we desire. We have itching ears to hear what we want to hear. And I'm not saying that all of these churches are a bad thing. What I am saying is that we need to be careful when we are being taught the truth why we want to run from it. Are we running from it because they're not preaching it the same way that we would want them to? Are we, not, are we running from it because they're not preaching exactly what we want to be hearing? The only reason we run from truth is if it is not truth. If they stand and say it's truth, but it's not, that's when we run. Don't run from things that just don't suit your passions. You will be given away into myths if you continue to do that. And in the same way, when we preach, when we are preaching to others, don't try and package it or water it down in a way that you know that they will like. Truth is truth. The word is the word. God is God. There's no way around it. Preach the word. Preach the truth. That's what we are called to do. Look at verse five. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. This won't be easy. We will have to endure suffering. But when we use the Bible, when we use the gospel to protect ourselves, we can preach effectively. Stay true to the word when you are preaching the gospel. Stay true to the gospel at all times. When we preach the word correctly, we are fulfilling our ministry that God has given us. God has given us this ministry to preach the word every single one of us, every single day we are called to preach the word. So ask yourself, do I give the word time to work in the lives of the people around me? Where is it hard for me to apply the word to preach? Why is that? So there are three ways that we should apply the word. We should apply the word to protect, we should apply the word to profit, and we should apply the word to preach. These are three attributes of the Bible. They're not attributes of me. They're not attributes of Adam. They're not attributes of Jamie. They're attributes of the word of God. No matter who is using it, the Bible does not change. Its attributes stay the same. We all are called to preach the word. As great as it is that here at Redemption, we have a rotation of preachers that will applicationally preach the word every single Sunday. 
It doesn't end there. Church, this distinctive of ours, applicational preaching, it does not end at the church staff. It is a distinctive of our church body. It is a distinctive of our church family. We are called to applicationally preach the word every single day. Apply the word until today is no longer today. It's not just on Sunday mornings behind this pulpit. It's not just with that one person in your life, like, oh, wow, they really need the word. No, it's with yourself. It's for those around you. Apply the word correctly every single day in your life. I'm gonna have Scott and Adam come and sing a song over us to end. And while they're singing, just listen to the words. Read the words on the screen. Listen to what they are singing. Let it resonate in your hearts. Believe what is being sung. This, the word of God is powerful and it will never change. Just listen to what they are singing. Hear the words that are being sung. I'll come up and end us with a word of prayer afterwards, but for now, just listen to what is being sung and let, us, let them sing over you. Promises are life in my breath. They give me joy, give me peace, give me rest.
never change. Your word will never change. Lord, I pray that you help us apply that unchanging word, your unchanging commands in our lives every single day. Lord, I pray that we can apply your word and give glory to you until today is no longer today. And in your name, I pray. Amen. Church, you are loved.